Do you ever feel like you're waiting on a permission slip to live the life you want? If you answered yes, then you're in the right spot. Each week, I interview coaches and spiritual explorers from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Welcome back to another episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. My name is Cindy McMillan. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. In this episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life, we are chatting about the parallels between surfing, tai chi, and the Tao. I'm so excited to share with you today my conversation with Lee Williamson. Lee is the founder of Beachside Qigong, a board-certified Tai Chi Qigong instructor for over a decade and author of the Amazon number one book, Surfing the Sea of Qi. A Florida Space Coast native, Lee's diverse background has ranged from the yang of extreme adventure, travel, to the yin of consciousness exploration via extended fasting and meditation. Lee herself used Tai Chi to relearn walking after a devastating accident and Qigong breathwork to overcome her lifelong fear of water. She now finds great joy in sharing these profound self-healing techniques with others. Welcome to the podcast, Lee. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Cindy. I'm very excited to have this talk with you about Qigong and Tai Chi and surfing and how it relates to the changing seasons of our lives. And I can't wait to hear about that. So why don't we just jump in and start off with what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? My life and my business are kind of intermixed, so I would say they go together. In exploring the seasons of life, to me, means embracing whatever season we have to be in, um, because seasons tend to be cyclical. They they leave and come back and leave and come back, and and to me, exploring them means diving deep into whatever season, whatever change happens to be going on. I look at it in terms of the seasons themselves. A lot of us tend to embrace the the milder seasons like the fall and the spring, but tend to shun the seasons like winter and summer when it's really hot. But in my mind and in my business and life and philosophies, we need to embrace all the seasons and explore what they have to offer us. Even me as a native Floridian, I'm not real fond of the cold in the winter, but I don't deny myself the ability to go inside like is traditionally done for winter and explore what I can find there to move forward in my life as opposed to always going to the external that we tend to focus on and in the nicer seasons when we're outside playing outdoors more. You know, Lee, I love that you talked about how the seasons are cyclical because sometimes, and I have talked about this before on the podcast, when we are in a season and sometimes it's a tough season to be in, we think we're going to be there forever. And it's really, if we can understand 
you know, spring, for example, is going to come around again. So I love that you used and reminded us that they are cyclical. That, yeah, that's a great way to, to look at it. I really like how you put that, that even though we might be in a tough season, remember that it will change. Don't get stuck in it. And this is part of the yin-yang philosophy that I have picked up from uh, studying Tai Chi and Qigong so long. We may be in a yang spot, a yang season that's hard, that's tough, but remember that it's going to change. It will become yin again, and the same with the the various seasons of life, not just the yin and yang, but all aspects of what comes around and, and leaves us again. <laughs> you know, Lee, you can see why that's my favorite question, because it opens up the possibilities of everything that can be a season, because there's just anything that comes in is a season. I, I want to start really at the beginning, for maybe the listeners who don't know, what is Tai Chi? That's a really good question. And it's one I get a lot. And I'm, I frequently don't know how to answer because there's a lot to Tai Chi. So in keeping it really simple, I view Tai Chi after 30 years of practice as ancient biotechnology for healthcare, mental and physical healthcare. It's a very ancient system, uh, thousands of years old. If you look at uh, different history sources, it will give different uh, date ranges, but we can guesstimate at least 2,000 years old for many forms of Tai Chi. Um, very ancient ways of moving the body and breathing uh, exercises and visualization techniques that are designed to keep one healthy. Modern days, we have hospitals and doctors, and, and it's fairly easy to get to them. In the past, that was not always the case. So people did what people do now. They tried to stay healthy. They wanted to, to feel good and be able to live their lives. And Tai Chi is based on the philosophies and the practices found in nature. And so the people in those ancient times who didn't have access to doctors and, and things of that nature when they lived in remote places, they, they drew upon the lessons of the animals and nature around them and learned how to move and breathe or not move in different ways to heal themselves in a variety of ways. So Tai Chi is based on the cyclical uh, nature of life. The yin and yang philosophy comes from Tai Chi. And um, it's basically a system of, of healthcare for mind, body, and spirit. It's very, very gentle. Uh, sometimes I refer to it as slow motion therapy. Because we, for the most part, move very, very slow in these practices. And in that slowness comes the mindfulness of the motion that we're engaged in. And that is what gives us the healing effect. Lee, thank you so much for going through a little bit of history on Tai Chi. Because I think, you know, there may have been folks who 
pass by a park, for example, and see people doing the slow motions in the park and didn't really understand like the history behind that. There is a very rich and diverse history behind Tai Chi. And depending on the source that you look at, you may get completely different uh, and conflicting uh, history of it. I think of it like this. Oftentimes we cannot agree on what took place yesterday when we were in the same place and saw the same thing. How would it be possible for us to have complete coherence in the history of something that's this old? So if you were to read different uh, accounts of where Tai Chi comes from and what it is, you might find various opinions about that. I have come to the understanding that I think it's all true. All of these things that sound conflicting about the origin of Tai Chi, I think they're all actually true, but they started in different parts of China. China is an enormous country. And back before there was the modern conveniences of communication, probably things developed in different parts of the country where they weren't talking to each other so well. So it has a slightly different history based on where it developed in that part of China. Oh, that makes perfect sense. You know, when you're talking about the size of China and where the practices started. But what I would like to jump over into right now is, can you talk a little bit about your background and your journey to Tai Chi and your book? Okay, that'd be great. Because my journey to Tai Chi has been um, kind of unusual in that I, I grew up a, a Florida native. I'm from Brevard County. Um, nobody in my family has had any uh, connection to China or Tai Chi or mind-body practices. It was never something I was raised in. No one did yoga, no meditation. That word didn't even really exist when I was a kid. Um, so it wasn't really part of my life. Uh, so I came to Tai Chi. I started practicing it in my early 20s. Um, I grew up in North Brevard in Titusville, kind of raised uh, in Florida redneck way. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I found that I had some anger issues uh, that were debilitating me in various ways. Uh, I literally was punching and kicking things, and I wrote all about this story in my book, Surfing the Sea of Chi, of how I came to Tai Chi. I had so much anger and energy. I was punching and kicking things with my anger to the point that I was breaking my hands, breaking my wrists, breaking my feet and ankles, and I knew I had to get a control of this thing, that it was going to kill me. Uh, and this was at a time when the, the term anger management did not exist. Um, that, that was never even a thing back when I was experiencing it. And so I went to the tools that were available at the time, which were psychology. I saw a bunch of psychologists, and they did a great job of blaming everything on my upbringing, but did absolutely no job of helping me overcome the anger issues. They did a good job at analyzing perhaps where they came from, but no, no help in, in managing 
the anger. I tried meditation, which was just kind of a new thing in, in uh, the, the late 80s, kind of new in America, newer in America. But it didn't work for me, the form of meditation that I found, which was to sit on that song and to do the om. And that really didn't help me at all. But I had been exposed to Tai Chi on uh, TV special of all things when I was a very young child. I remember it had to have been in the 70s um, because that's when China first let reporters come into their country. Up until the 1970s, the rest of the world had no idea what went on in China. They didn't know about the temples, the palaces, the clothes, the culture, none of it, because China would not allow foreigners onto their soil. They just, you, you just couldn't go. And in the 70s, China opened up its, its borders a little more and allowed Western reporters to come in. And so when I was a little girl in the 70s, I remember laying on the shag carpet in the living room floor with my parents watching the, the, the CBS special of the night. I think it was a Sunday night, which was when those usually took place. And it was all about China. Ooh, this amazing foreign land that we knew nothing about. And I remember laying there just being amazed at what I was seeing, the beautiful art. And the thing that stuck with me the most was just for maybe one minute, there was a little bit of a segment on Tai Chi. And while the host, Bill Moyers, was speaking about what Tai Chi was, which the world had not really seen before then, um, I saw the video of hundreds of people all dressed the same, moving very, very slow, all exactly in the same way. And in my little child's mind, I remember thinking, oh, that is the most beautiful flock of human birds I have ever seen flying together. What are they doing? I want to learn that. I want to know what that is. I want to fly with my humans that way. And, um, of course, no one in my family knew what it was, but I remembered as I got into my 20s and had the anger issue, after having explored the meditation and it not working for me, I remembered that on that special, Bill Moyers had called Tai Chi moving meditation. It's a moving meditation, he said. And so that came back to mind quickly after having done the seated meditation. I thought, oh, maybe if I moved, maybe if I tried that moving meditation of Tai Chi, maybe that would help me with the anger stuff. At the time, there were no Tai Chi teachers in Brevard County that I was aware of. The internet was not yet public. Um, you, normal people couldn't look stuff up online. Um, there was nothing in the paper ever about Tai Chi. That's where you got your info. So I went uh, to the little crystal shop, the rock shop that had all the new agey kind of stuff. I thought, well, maybe they have something on Tai Chi, a book or whatever. And I found a, a DVD on Tai Chi. And I thought, oh, there it is. I'm going to get it. So I got the DVD. And I taught myself my very first Tai Chi form, Yang short form, uh, from a video from someone who I now know is a, a very accomplished master in the Tai Chi world. 
And I picked it up from there, taught myself the movements, uh, and uh, continued to practice them every day once I learned them and found that it was helping me to manage my anger. It was helping me to become aware of where I was, what I was doing, and what I was experiencing instead of having a knee-jerk reaction of anger or emotion. So the physical movements taught me to become more aware of my emotional states. And because it helped me with the thing I sought it for, which was anger management, I kept going. Um, I just kept doing it all the time. Uh, I didn't know anything about chi. I didn't really know anything other than those few movements I had learned from the video. And I kept doing it because it was working for me. And I found that I found it really enjoyable. Even though I didn't understand this chi thing and this energy thing, I it was helping me manage my anger. And I just kept doing it uh, for over a decade. I did the same Yang short form Tai Chi practice every day until the world started to expand a little more. And then I, and then I branched out and got more training and learned a lot more about Qigong and Tai Chi and these very ancient uh, healing arts and why they kept working for me. I learned why and I learned more about them. And now that I'm into my mid 50s, I'm so blessed to have picked up these moving practices when I was young to the point that I know a lot of them very well and can teach them. Because as my body is now starting to age, I now use Tai Chi the way most people come to Tai Chi. Most Americans I have found start Tai Chi because they hear it's really good for balance as you get older, which is true. It is the world's number one practice for preventing falls, and medical research has proven that. It's the best way to prevent falling as you get older. So I find that even as I get older, these things that I picked up for emotional issues are now serving my physical issues as I, as I begin to age more and more. So I'm very grateful to have picked them up for one thing, but now they apply to pretty much all aspects of my life. I see how the chi arts have helped me in my mental states, my emotional states, as well as my physical states. So it truly is mind-body-spirit practice, even though in the beginning of not knowing what chi was, I, I didn't think that spirit stuff was was part of it. For me, it was, oh, my emotions are under control. But now it has a very spiritual aspect to me as well. I've, I've embraced it full on and it's helped me in so many ways. I, I just have to share it with everyone that I possibly can. <laughs> There's a couple of things that you mentioned that I want to bring out. One mm -hmm. that you now it's a full, the full circle body, mind and spirit that you mm -hmm. use Tai Chi for. And the other is the awareness that you used Tai Chi for around your anger management when you were talking about how it just made you aware of your emotions. Yes. This awareness is one of the things 
that sets mind-body practices apart from regular forms of exercise. Um, even though I do them, I do Tai Chi as a form of exercise, I also get in other kinds of exercise. I bike and I surf and I walk and things like that. But a lot of these things are not nearly as mindful as the slow motion of Tai Chi and Qigong arts. It's the slowness of it that makes us more aware of ourselves on a physical and emotional and mental level. I kind of equate it to when I get the question, why do you have to move so slow in this stuff? It's really hard to move slow. It is. It's much harder to move slow than fast. So to me, the answer is, have you ever had this experience? You drive down the same street every single day going to work. Drive down the same street every single day. And then for whatever reason, one day you are walking down the street or riding your bike down the same street that you've always only driven on because you are moving slower. You actually see what's there more. That is why we go so slow in Qigong and Tai Chi. It gives us time to have more awareness of what we're doing with, with our body, what we're doing with our thoughts, which is where our emotions tend to come from, is from our thoughts. So it's the, the slowness brings the awareness more than anything I have found. That is a perfect example of what I'm going to say because I hadn't thought about it like this. But in my neighborhood, when I go for an afternoon walk, I tend to walk in the same direction. And I've been doing that for a few months. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to walk the other way. I don't know why I chose to walk in a different circle. But as I was walking, <laughs> I had this awareness of, I've never seen this place before. <laughs> Where am I? Because it looked totally different. And I was having this different awareness of, even though I was walking the same pace, but at looking at things differently. Yes. When we change out of our normal routine, it changes our perspective and we see the ordinary things that we're used to seeing as no longer ordinary. Suddenly they become extraordinary because, oh, I never saw it in this light before. I never saw it from this perspective before. All because we changed our angle, we changed our speed, we changed something about how we interacted with that thing. So it doesn't necessarily have to be going slower. And I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things we do in Tai Chi is we, we do the same thing on one side of the body as we do on the other side of the body. And that might not seem like a big deal until you think about writing, you only do with one hand usually. But if you try to do that same motion with the other side of the body, the chances are it's much less refined, uh, much less coordinated. And, and this is indicative of how our brain works because the different sides of the body are controlled by the different sides of the brain. So when we try to do it one way and it's easy, 
and then we try or go around the other way and get a different perspective, we may suddenly realize, oh my gosh, my my brain does work differently when I go this way, or my body does work differently when I when I simply make the circle in the other direction, because we're engaging ourselves and our senses slightly differently than we were before. And I think a lot of it is the contrast that brings the awareness. We go from a very fast-paced kind of societal world to slowing everything way down in our movement. And that gives us the contrast of awareness. Just like you, always walking in one direction, the contrast was turning it around and walking the other way. You went from yang and turned it around to yin. You saw it from another perspective, the same thing. So it gave you greater awareness. That's a great example. Thanks for sharing that. Well, and, and I just was brought that up only because of what you had, you know, you were saying, but now as you're even explaining one way is the yin and one way is the yang, yes, of course, we're seeing things differently. Yes. So in your book, Surfing the Sea of Chi, you talk about the parallels between surfing, Tai Chi, and the Tao. Can you talk about those parallels? It's hard to make it very succinct. That's why I wrote an entire book about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe but, just pull out. But just I will try and, and, and share some of the similarities I found. So I took up Tai Chi in my 20s, as you just heard, uh, to deal with anger management. Um, and I had no clue that when I took up surfing in my 40s, um, that I would find parallels to Tai Chi. I had no idea how similar they were until I actually started getting on a surfboard and surfing. And, and now since I've written the book that contains the parallels, I've heard from people all over the world, including the head of the Chinese national surf team who also practices Tai Chi, who told me I have never in my life realized that we stand the same way in surfing as we do in some of Tai Chi until you put it in your book. On a surfboard, we stand in what's called in Tai Chi the bow stance. It is the strongest way to stand. When you stand in this particular position, People can push you, the waves and the water can push you in different directions, and it's much easier to hold your ground, to not get pushed around, to keep your feet connected to the foot, to the surfboard while you're up on top of water. I've actually tried it, uh, moving my feet into different positions on the foot, on the surfboard other than the bow stance, and I find it practically impossible to even stand up. So there's one parallel is how we think about our footing. In Tai Chi, Qigong, and surfing, the idea, part of the idea is to move and flow like water, to be as graceful and effortless as water. And you, when you see surfers, they look so graceful and effortless, the ones who actually know how to surf. Um, it look, they make it look really easy 
but it is so not easy. And it all starts with the foundation of having your feet in the right position on the fir- on the surfboard. Because if your feet aren't right on the ground, then what you do with your arms and what happens with the wave don't make a bit of difference. And I learned that first in Tai Chi, and I didn't realize until I tried to stand up on a f- surfboard how useful that is in riding waves. So the position of the body, the relationship with our foundation, which is our feet touching whatever surface it's on, a ground or a surfboard, they have that in common for sure. The multidimensional movement aspect. Surfing and Tai Chi, we move multidimensionally, more so in surfing. Ordinary life takes place on two planes, forward and back, left and right. Rarely do we go up, rarely do we go down. In the water, you go up, you go down, you go left, you go right, you go in every single dimension you can think of. And it's the same with Tai Chi. Even though we are on the ground, we learn how to get very, very low and stay relaxed and hold our posture in healthy ways. We also learn how to get very high, maybe standing on one foot on tiptoe while our legs are extended. So we learn how to control our physical selves in a multidimensional plane, all while making it look flowing and graceful and easy. And in the learning process, none of it's easy. Not the surfing, not the Tai Chi, and none of it looks graceful or flowing in the beginning. But with practice, the surfers get there and the Tai Chiers get there. Um, Another thing I found that was a very big parallel when I started surfing was breathing. I never thought about breath work being involved in surfing until I tried to surf. And I realized that it's it's full of breath work because when you're in the water and you go underwater, you have to hold your breath. When you're paddling really, really hard to catch a wave, you're going to be breathing faster than when you're just sitting on your board waiting for a wave and your breath is calmer and not as intense. So there's different forms of breathing patterns and breathing exercises that are built right into surfing. And most surfers, I don't think, have any clue that they're doing breathing exercises and breathing in different patterns. It's just part of what they have to do in order to be on the surfboard. In Qigong and Tai Chi, we do do breathing exercises that are very specific and designed to accomplish specific things. So there's that parallel. Another parallel is that um, in the beginning, and this tends to be true kind of of, of... Westerners in general, I think, um, we try so hard. We work so hard that we overwork ourselves. In the beginning of Tai Chi, we put in too much muscle. We make our muscles really tense and, and we don't have to. We're just moving our arm. It's not like we're moving a hundred pound weight. We don't have to make the muscles really tense. And it's the same with surfing. In the beginning, 
of trying to paddle out into the ocean, we use a lot of muscle trying to overcome that very strong white water that's coming at us, trying to push us back into shore when we want to get beyond the whitewash. So in the beginning of surfing, we rely on a lot of muscle because we haven't yet understand, understood that relaxing actually makes it easier. And then after a while of paddling and learning how to get out, you realize, oh, if I just relax and let the whitewash wash over me, then I keep going and I don't have to work so hard. And it's the same in Tai Chi. And those lessons have translated into my everyday life. That's the wonderful parallels between Tai Chi and surfing. There actually can train us for how to live life better. Since I picked up surfing in particular and realized this particular thing about not working so hard to get to where you're going, I started applying that to my everyday life. And instead of struggling and working hard to get where I was going, I just relax and let things flow. And I find that things work out a whole lot easier in my business life, in my personal life, if I'm not trying to push it trying to press it, if I just let it unfold naturally and go with it when I should, paddle when I should, instead of trying to fight the hard stuff, you know, just let the hard stuff wash through, then continue on my course, my life is much easier. Hopefully that made sense. I threw a lot of stuff in there. Um, no, Lee, I was just going to say, as you were going over those parallels, I could also see exactly what you're saying, how those translate to our everyday life, especially that stop pushing so hard and let and and let some things come to us. Yes. And it's okay to let some of the hard stuff, we don't have to meet the hard stuff head on. We can just sit there and contemplate it and let it pass by and maybe it passes by and we don't even have to deal with the hard stuff at all. It's gone and then we can go on about our way easily. I have found that lesson to be very true in my life that if I don't try to fight the hard stuff, if I give it a moment to just think about it, to digest the situation, usually it will become softer. It will become easier for me to manage or the hard thing will just go away and I don't have to deal with it at all. And, and life is much easier and more pleasant that way than trying to fight the hard stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate the parallels you gave and, and, and just the, just the idea that let it translate into our daily lives. This episode is part of a self-care series, and I'm calling it self-care is more than a buzzword. It's personal. And because I think as we're talking, and we're going to be getting into self-care in different types of way, because self-care comes in many, many um, forms, but that it is personal, and whether somebody does Tai Chi and surfing or they do another another form of self-care, it's all personal to us. 
One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Lee, and oh my gosh, the time is just going by so fast. I mean, this is so interesting. <laughs> but I was going to ask you, in regards to Tai Chi, what are three or four of the benefits in regards to diabetes? Mm. This is a, a question I've gotten a lot because I teach uh, Tai Chi for diabetes. It's a, it's a specific type of Tai Chi that was developed to help people with diabetes. And I've gotten, well, why should I, why, what, makes this what makes this better for diabetics than other forms of exercise? And so I have actually come to rely on the words of Harvard Medical School to answer this question because they wrote a book about Tai Chi and I find that they have a really beautiful way of explaining it. So I'm actually going to read right out of this book, The Harvard Medical School Guide to Tai Chi by Dr. Peter Wayne. Um, he says, perhaps what makes Tai Chi so special is that this holistic multi-component exercise affects us at physical psychological, social, and philosophical levels. Its multi-level effects are especially important for chronic, chronic complex diseases involving many systems throughout the body like diabetes. The causes of diabetes go beyond one specific cause. And because of that, the multi-system approach to healing is what sets Tai Chi apart for diabetes and other multi-system diseasements of the body. That's what sets it apart because it works on us on many, many different levels. So as I've come to understand it for diabetes specifically, I am not diabetic. However, I am certified to teach Tai Chi for diabetes. It was the first form of Tai Chi I ever got certified to teach in because everyone in my family is diabetic everybody. My parents, my brother, my, my aunts, my uncles, some of my cousins. I'm the only one who's not. Um, and I think that's because of Tai Chi and my Tai Chi practice. But I've come to understand that the benefits of Tai Chi for diabetes specifically are that a lot of people who have diabetes are type 2 diabe diabetics. That means you weren't born with it. It, it's come about because of something that happened in your life, whether it's because of um, a lifestyle choice or trauma. Trauma can actually make people diabetic, and a lot of people don't know that. Uh, a shock to the system can, can change how the pancreas functions and turn people diabetic. So, ah, so diabetes people have a tendency to not exercise so much, to not really embrace Western forms of exercise. But Tai Chi is different than what we usually consider exercise because you don't break a sweat. 
you don't you don't get sore from it usually it's not that kind of thing you don't get an adrenaline rush from it like you do when you do 100 push-ups um so it doesn't have the same feel as exercise and because of that people who might be lifestyle induced diabetics will have a tendency to do it more because it doesn't feel like exercise it feels like oh i'm just i'm just moving like i kind of normally move just slower. So the people in my family, like my father, who's diabetic, he will not exercise. He simply won't. Even though he needs to, uh, he won't do it. But occasionally he will do Tai Chi and that keeps him moving. So it offers a, a way of moving and exercising that is completely different of the hard workout connotations that some people have with working out, which Diabetics need to move usually to keep blood sugar under control. And when they stop moving, blood sugar issues just go, whoo, just go crazy. You have to move to control that. Another aspect is that it's a very social engagement. Tai Chi is very, very social. Everyone in class talks to each other. It's not like other forms of exercise where you come, you do your exercise, you leave. It's a very social engagement. And if you're in a Tai Chi for diabetes class, everybody there usually has the same kind of thing going on. So there's not the stigma of having a dis-ease, so you're more inclined to do it, and you're more inclined to be socially engaged and, and still be okay with what's going on. And some of the research on Tai Chi, any form of Tai Chi, not just Tai Chi for diabetes, some of the research on it in relationship to diabetes shows that when you practice Tai Chi on a very regular basis, it does help to manage your blood sugar levels. But it has to be pretty much every single day that you do it in order for it to have an impact on blood sugar. Yeah, I saw on your website that you did teach Tai Chi for diabetes. And I was just really interested in that and how that worked. But I can see exactly what you're talking about when it with the engaging, I'm going to say our body, mind and soul and being in using our that exercise, but not so strenuous. Yes. So Lee, do you have a favorite self-care routine? Totally. Every single morning I get up before the crack of dawn, before there's even light in the sky, I drink hot beverage. It might be coffee one day, tea, another hot lemon water, another hot beverage. I sit, I contemplate my day and I just kind of prepare my mind and body. And then I go do Qigong and Tai Chi on the beach. To me, that is like the best way I could possibly take care of myself. I find that it works for me to sit first and just relax and have a hot drink. And then I go do the things that I find that give me the best mind-body balance, which in my experience for me has, has come down to doing Qigong and Tai Chi every day. And because I know so much Qigong and Tai Chi now, I, I kind of pick and choose what I engage with that day based on my contemplation in the morning of how I'm feeling, of what my day holds, what do I, what do I need to do to keep myself going and, and in good standing for the day to come. And that's the Tai Chi and Qigong that I choose to do for that day. 
Is there more than one style of Tai Chi or is oh, it? Yes. Okay. So then that would be how you choose your um, style of Tai Chi that you will do after yes. your, after your contemplation. Okay. Nice. So my self-care, my daily self-care always involves just sitting in the morning, just sitting and thinking about how I'm feeling, where's my mindset, what's my day hold. And then from that, I say, okay, I think I need, I think I'm better off doing a softer style of Tai Chi today. Uh, And yes, there are lots of ways to do Tai Chi and Qigong. Being thousands of years old, there's been a lot of variations that have developed through through the last couple of years um, that have come into play, and I've I've been honored and privileged enough to learn a lot of those variations. So I have a big Tai Chi and Chi Arts toolbox to draw from. What's the one big key takeaway you want our listeners to get from this podcast episode? Taking care of yourself is something that will not go away. If you want to feel good, to be happy, to be healthy, you got to maintain yourself mentally and physically, and it doesn't have to be hard. Taking care of yourself in Western exercise traditions has always been no pain, no gain. Well, I'm here to tell you that makes no sense. You can take care of yourself without pain and still gain. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be grueling. It should actually be fun. What you, what you resonate with is what you should do. Because if you resonate with it and you find it enjoyable, like I find Tai Chi and Qigong enjoyable, that's why I can stick with it. If I don't find it enjoyable, I'm not going to stick with it. I tried Western exercise and doing the the push-ups and the weights and all that. And I frankly, I find it very boring and I just won't stick with it. So Qigong and Tai Chi are easy to me. um, And I still get my mind-body medicine. And through that, I have come to understand that taking care of yourself, it doesn't have to be a grueling workout. And it's different every single day. And it's also different as you go through the various seasons of your life. It changes how you care for yourself. Because what I can do now in my mid-50s is very different than what I did in my in my teens and my 20s because my body is different. And thankfully, my brain and my mind has changed too and grown. So my self-care practices should be adapted to what's going on in this particular season of my life. And they should be enjoyable and and a pleasure to do so that we keep doing them. I think that that is the number one takeaway that I try to share with everybody, let alone here on your podcast. It should be enjoyable to care for yourself. So you keep doing it forever. (laughs) I love that. It should be enjoyable to care for yourself. That is absolutely true. Lee, how can people find your website, your book, your social media? How can they work with you? Give us, give us the scoop. I'll give you everything. So my my schedule for my public classes, as well as my contact information, should you forget, is all on my website. And my website is beachsideqigong.com. That's beachsideqigong.com. 
G-O-N-G.com, beachsidechigong.com. Um, from there, you you can get my email, which is beachsidechi, beachsidechi at gmail. If you forget it, and you can message me if you are interested in one-on-one training or perhaps hosting a class for your private event or your private group or, or whatever it may be. I have done corporate trainings. You can find me on my personal page, Leah, L-E-A Williamson. But mostly all of my Tai Chi and Qigong information gets on the Beachside Qigong and Tai Chi Facebook page. goes up there. I'm not super active on Facebook. The best way to find my info is on my website because I'm not on any other social media, really. Oh, YouTube, actually. Um, you can study with me on YouTube and never come to one of my live classes. I have a full YouTube channel with lots of Tai Chi and Qigong on there. Um, and that is, the channel is Beachside Qigong and Tai Chi. And my logo is the, the Tai Chi symbol that many people mistakenly call the yin yang. It represents yin and yang, but it is called a Tai Chi that symbol. So if you see that symbol on the social media, that's me. Leo, I'll have all that in the show notes. And I was going to ask you if you had a way for people, you know, he, who didn't live in Brevard County to work with you. And so it sounds like you do on your YouTube. On YouTube, I also have a um, subscription platform on my website with courses, online courses on my website that are not available on YouTube. Not all of my video trainings are on YouTube because some things I just don't put out there for free. Um, but, <laughs> but I do have uh, all of Tai Chi One uh, on my website as a video course. Uh, if you really like it, you can do all of Tai Chi 2 on my website as a video course. I have um, some Qigong courses on there as well as some breathing exercises on there. So there's a, a lot of varieties that you can train with me with. I also will teach uh, via Zoom and various um, audiovisual tele teleclasses to private lessons. I don't really enjoy doing them in an ongoing basis for public classes, but I am happy to do them on a private basis. Lee, thank you so much for being a guest. I I have really enjoyed this and learning about Tai Chi. It's been very interesting. Well, thank you for having me on. I am a little too passionate about uh, Tai Chi and Qigong. I just tend to go on and on and on because it's helped me so much in my life. And uh, it really shouldn't be grueling or cost a fortune to take care of yourself. Once you know a little bit of Qigong and Tai Chi, then you have it for the rest of your life. And it's a very complete healthcare system I have found. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you love the conversation that I'm having today and you want to continue the conversation or you want to share your thoughts, your takeaways, the big aha, or just any ideas that come up, come on over to Instagram. That is where I spend most of my time when it comes to social media. I'm at cindy.macmillan on Instagram. Make sure you're following me. Jump into my DMs. Say hello. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, live inspired.